we're going to jump into a short discussion around barriers of manure. Uh, we asked this same question. We had a total of 35 potential challenges and asked people to identify their top challenges. And this was a, a nationwide survey. There was over 800 uh, people in advisory roles, crop farmers, livestock farmers that participated in the survey. And maybe just focus up here at the top. Transportation and application cost was the number one barrier that this group identified. And it was true for all three of those audiences there. Uh, for Crawford farmers and advisors, odors was the second highest ranked issue. And then you can kind of see them going from there on. Field conditions uh, was four or two, depending upon the audience. And that was our top one tonight. Uh, let's see, compaction. I'm not, yeah, uh, that showed up as number six across the board. So that was pretty high on many people's view. Water quality impairment, I think you can see that showed up as number 10 among the advisors and was not in the top 10 list for farmers uh, in that particular survey. Well, I'd expect this answer is gonna be a little bit different for each of us. And a lot depends upon the situation, the neighborhood that we live in, the, the water resources that we're connected with and so forth. Um, what I would suggest, though, that it is a worthwhile exercise to go through working with manure of identifying what are the top challenges for your farm that often become a barriers to manure being used in some fields and trying to piece through a strategy that will minimize that being a barrier. And I'm only gonna have time to do this for a couple of examples. And I'm gonna pick the top two that are listed here tonight. Um, and we'll, we'll walk through those very briefly. But it's important that you pick your top issues and come up with a strategy specific to, to those issues. Uh, we're gonna return again to this, uh, our calculation of the value of manure. And now ask, can we afford to haul manure to these little bit more distant fields? And I, I think this is equally and as important an exercise for you to walk your way through. I'm gonna use some values that may or may not represent the cost that you would have for transporting manure, but trying to come up with a value for your farm, I, I think is a, a worthwhile exercise to take uh, from time to time. Now, what I wanna do is jump, let's see. Now, I guess we'll just stay for right here for now. Uh, so for those three fields, uh, we're gonna use some numbers that are shared with us by Sechi Agri-Services. This is a, a rate that they are paying commercial uh, suppliers or, or commercial applicators of, of manure for application cost and transportation cost. Uh, they're about a year old. Uh, we got these in November of 2019, and this was the rates they were playing, paying through the winter of, of 2020. Now, I'm gonna use these two to estimate a cost of going to those three fields. One of those fields was about, well, we were applying 20 ton to the acre, so let's do that for the application cost. 
and using their rates from a year ago at 20 ton per acre rate was about a $4 per ton cost or $80 per acre. So that is one part of the cost. And the second part of the cost is the transportation cost. It's a cost to move that extra mile or extra several miles. For that one mile distant to that first Vaughn field, it was about $45 an acre. We're traveling th about three to four miles. We're looking at a cost that was closer to $3 per ton, $60 per acre. So with those numbers, I can now go back to this example and put them here on the screen. So add up my transportation and my application costs for Vaughn. It comes out to a cost of $125 to achieve a value of $100. For the North Tillers, it's $140 per acre cost. And for roughly the same cost uh, to get it delivered to the South Tillers, maybe just a little bit more, I might've underestimated, uh, overestimated the cost for the North Tillers. So here's our three cost and our value. And now by comparing these two numbers, I have some idea as to where I'm, I, I might want to haul manure to at least get the value from a uh, nutrient benefit. Now, I might also want to ask what would be the soil quality value, soil health value of going to each of these three fields. Is there one that has a lower organic matter maybe has a history of tillage. And so organic matter is lower, lower uh, uh, microbial activity in the soil, more drownouts. So that might change this in your own mind. But now I've got at least some idea which of these fields gonna give me some greater value over others. And just looking at the nutrient value versus the cost of moving manure, it might suggest that uh, North and South tillers have, have some advantages. So it's an exercise I encourage you to go through, try to come up with some cost of transportation uh, for, for your own equipment uh, or use these if you have nothing better, but uh, use this as a starting point to try to decide where you, how far you can transfer manure. I'd like you to just drop into the chat box if you wouldn't mind how far you feel for your farm you can transport manure and you might put besides it am I dealing with a, a beef solid manure or a, a swine slurry manure but just for your own current perspective not not having gone through this how far do you think you can transport manure and, and get value today. I think we have seen over the last decade a, a, a significant change in many people's attitudes to how far we can move manure, especially with our dry manures. We now are talking oftentimes in that 10 miles, maybe even more in some cases. With our slurry manures or liquid manures, we're probably only talking one to three mile range that we would 
be willing to move all of that, that volume. But I think we're seeing a, a continuing shift and it's from going through exercise like we've just gone through here of, of what is that cost, what is that value and recognizing we can move further than sometimes we've originally anticipated. So I, I encourage you to go through that exercise and, and try to come up with some reasonable estimates and, and just see what that is for your particular farm. So transportation cost, is it truly too expensive to go to some of those more distant fields? And walking through this strategy, I think has value. Okay. Uh, there's also values in that PowerPoint handout if you would like to look at that for slurry manures, we're gonna skip by that. The second issue that some of us encounter are associated with neighbors and a variety of neighbor issues. We're gonna talk about odors in particular. And in trying to manage odors uh, associated with land application of manure, really only two strategies that we have an option to use. Probably the most effective is if it's available to us is we'd like to move that manure into the soil. This soil is a great aerobic environment, a great filter and perfect place for stabilizing manure and preventing odors from being released into the soil. It's great until you look at the cover that's on top of that soil. And many of us would say, gee, that cover is pretty valuable to us in terms of wind or, or water erosion. And so incorporating manure into the soil may not be an option for many of us, especially those that use the solid manure. So if that's our case, there is a second tool I would suggest that you consider. And that's selecting fields that you're gonna apply manure on for any single day based upon what's the odor risk to that field. And I would suggest to you that with a weather report for the next three to five days, we can make some really good determinations as to which field am I gonna have a high odor risk from that field, which fields I will not. And let's walk through that process. So I'd like to use this graphic to remind us how odor travels. Odor and smoke are very similar in terms of whether they rise into the upper atmosphere and disperse and dilute quickly, like we're seeing on the left-hand side, or whether they travel horizontally. Now we see the smoke here rising because it, it's probably caused by a fire that's got heating the air right in that area. But as soon as that air cools to what the air temperature is in general of that area, that smoke is traveling horizontally in that right-hand picture. Now think about when you've seen smoke rising versus traveling horizontally. And what are the conditions that causes one versus the other? Just give some thought to that. When have you spotted those conditions? Here's the most common conditions that allow smoke to disperse on the left-hand side. 
sunny skies, warming temperatures. Warming temperatures cause that air to be more buoyant, to rise, carry that smoke or that odor cloud away from our neighbors. The conditions that cause us the greatest risk are our evening and our nighttime hours when temperatures are dropping or holding steady. And that's when we tend to trap smoke or odor near the Earth's surface, near where our neighbors experience it. So recognizing those conditions that cause that high risk on the right-hand side, we can forecast when that's gonna occur and what fields might cause us the problem. So the high risk conditions always occur in the evening or nighttime hours. If I have very low cloud cover, less than 50%, so a clear night, that high risk condition extends over a wider range of wind speeds. So anything less than 11 mile per hour is high risk for clear skies. Anything less than seven miles per hour is high risk for cloudy skies, all during the nighttime conditions. During the daytime, if you look here, all of that, those conditions are are low risk or very low risk. So here's, here's our red flags that we're watching for. High uh, nighttime conditions and lower wind speeds. Okay, let's use that information with that weather forecast. Now let's figure out when we have high risk conditions. Take a look at the first night right through here. And now nighttime conditions, what's our wind speed? Wind speed, nine, six, two, two. So here is high risk. The night of October 2nd is a high risk evening. Look at our next night, October 3rd, going into the morning of October 4th. Here, wind speeds, 18, 19, 18 mile per hour, high speed winds, good dilution from wind speed, uh, not much risk to our neighbors. So now how do we use that? Okay, well, we're probably gonna apply our manure the day before over here on October 2nd. So if I intend to apply manure on a field on October 2nd here, I ought to be looking at what is the wind direction when I have these high risk conditions that the evening after, evening of October 2nd. Wind direction here is out of the northwest to southwest during these periods. So if I have a field that has neighbors to the northwest or the southwest, they're at risk. If I have fields that have no neighbors on that side, but has neighbors on the east side, I mean, on, uh, in other directions, uh, probably a good time to, uh, I can apply manure on that field, even though I might have neighbors close by. So let's go back to the Vaughn and Tiller site. And 
Remember on October 2nd, we have high risk for winds coming out of the, the Northwest and the Southwest. October 3rd, we have winds coming out of the Southeast, but that's a, a pretty low risk period. So on the Vaughn site on October 2nd, I've got some neighbors that might become quite irritated with me if I decided to put manure on that field on October 2nd. If I waited till October 3rd, I'm looking at wind blowing in this direction. Uh, I prob This neighbor to the north of me is probably not at much risk because of the wind speed. And if I was thought that neighbor was a very sensitive neighbor, maybe I would just put manure on the, on the east half of the field and keep as much distance to that neighbor as possible. But October 3rd, I could probably put manure on the bond field. October 2nd would not be a good time. Down here at the North Tiller site, uh, wind out of the south and northwest. Looks like my neighbors have got a pretty substantial distance. May not be much risk. I might be able to apply manure on the second as well as the third. And so, by using that weather forecast, I was able to identify for this bond site that I've got two neighbors at risk. I avoid that site. I can probably avoid getting a, a disturbed neighbor call on the morning of October 3rd. So something to keep in mind, a three to five day weather forecast that has, that tells us what the wind speeds and wind directions are can give us a, a really good idea where those high-risk conditions are. Well, in terms of dealing with the barriers associated with manure, the challenges, uh, we've talked about a couple of those. There's a lot more that I'm sure that you've all run into. Um, and I guess we'll leave those discussions for another time. But in many cases, I'm thinking just a good conversation among the folks that are involved in making decisions for a farm can help you think through a strategy that will help address many of those. So I think that's where we'll wrap up that. I encourage you to have that discussion around barriers or challenges and what is an appropriate strategy with your folks. And uh, that's where we'll leave off this discussion.